Hello everybody, welcome to Also Rusty Bucket. Subscribe to the channel if you have not already and drop a like on this video. I think I'm gonna set a goal of getting this channel to 100,000 subscribers by the end of the year. I don't know how, um, what's the word? Ambitious of a goal that might be, but I figured I'd set it. So 100K by the end of the year, subscribe to join and help me reach that goal, I suppose. Uh, I'm wearing some new Jordan 1s and I realized as soon as I got them that I don't really have a great outfit <laughs> that actually fits these shoes. Uh, so I guess I'm going to have to get that. I don't really have anything to say other than that, but just like shit, I need, I need, uh, I need an outfit to pair with this. This is the best that I have. Um, yeah. So today's video is not a recap. This is the first time I have done a non recap since the playoffs have started. Uh, and you'd think I would have done a video on the Celtics and their situation. And honestly, I probably should have, but I didn't. So today we're talking about the Blazers and Damian Lillard and more specifically, uh, his want to have Jason Kidd as his next head coach. I'm looking at a headline right now from Yahoo Sports that says Damian Lillard on Portland's head coach opening. Jason Kidd is the guy that I want. Jason Kidd is currently the assistant on the Los Angeles Lakers, an assistant coach on the Lakers. And uh, pretty much as soon as Jason was signed by the Lakers as an assistant, almost everybody expected him to replace Frank Vogel. Like they were like, yeah, he's he's just getting the, the lesser job knowing he's going to get the better job eventually. That hasn't happened. Frank Vogel led the Lakers to a championship and I think his job is relatively secure. Uh, so Jason Kidd could very well be looking for a different uh, a different head coach and it, it, or a different job to be a head coach. Now, it's worth mentioning that according to this article, both Lillard and uh, Kidd know each other really well. They have a relationship that goes back a few years and Lillard genuinely respects Kidd's basketball acumen acumen i don't know what that word means and knowledge of the game and he believes he can take his game and the team to the next level so he wants kid to be his head coach because he has a personal established relationship with him now the problem with that is the reason why terry stott stayed around so long is that damian lillard had a personal connection to him as well so we're really seeing the same bad pattern repeat itself for once again, not a good NBA head coach. But you know, at least Terry Stotts was like a genuinely really good person. Jason Kidd, that's quite a bit much more in the air. So uh, I, I very much do not want to see Jason Kidd hired as the head coach of the Blazers and keeping it on the court. When Kidd was the head coach of the Bucks, he did not do a good job. Now. Once again, uh, a superstar caliber player got attached to Jason Kidd. I don't know what it is about him, but Giannis was very upset when Jason Kidd was fired. Uh, he wanted him to be his head coach in the long term, but of course that did not work out. And in Jason Kidd's tenure in Milwaukee, he did not do a good job. He told Jabari Parker not to shoot threes. He made Giannis a point guard, which I will say showcased some of his ability as a superstar player, but like he was outright going for oh yeah Giannis is a point guard which his creating ability was not that good so not really um just in general he had a very old school mindset that was not translating to winning and that's why it got fired and as soon as Mike Budenholzer was hired alongside a couple of 
free agent additions, specifically Brooke Lopez was the big one. Uh, that propelled the Bucks to the one seed in the first year with Bud and the second year. And this year, I believe they were third. So uh, even though Mike Budenholzer has his issues adjusting in the playoffs, it's pretty damn clear that moving on from Jason Kidd was the right move for that franchise. And I really would hate to see the Blazers go from Terry Stotts, who, if you did not know, they mutually agreed to part ways. I feel like whether Stotts wanted to or not, he was not going to have that job. So I guess mutually is the best way of making it out to be. Um, but with that happening, I would like to see, I don't know, an average NBA head coach at the very least take up that spot, not a below average to bad head coach in Jason Kidd. Steve Clifford was just recently dismissed from the Orlando Magic. And while he does not have the offensive system that I would like uh, Dame and the Blazers to have, they do, he is a very good discipline and defense head coach, good at making his team not make too many mistakes. He did the same thing with the Charlotte Hornets. Like they Both times they were towards the bottom of the league in fouls and turnovers, all the little things that you're supposed to get right. Steve Clifford makes sure his teams get right. But uh, defensively or offensively, his system is not exactly complex. And I have wanted the Blazers to adopt a more advanced and free flowing offensive system. And they've really just been like, Dame and CJ do stuff. And if that doesn't work, fuck. Like that's, that's the extent of it. Uh, but at least, you know, Steve Clifford would be great for them on defense and discipline wise. Offense would still probably be about the same, but at least you'd have one side of the floor correct, whereas Terry Stotts had neither side of the floor correct. So at least you'd get one. And on top of that, you know, the Blazers' offense is not terrible, to say the least. I think it could be better, but it's still very good because they have the talent to be that. But uh, the point here is the title of this video is like Damian Lillard is his own worst enemy. Uh, I can't see any own worst enemy thing than keeping Terry Stotts around for years, and it's his influence that kept him around to begin with, and then asking for Jason Kidd to be the next head coach. Now, this is not to say that Damian Lillard, or not to take anything away from him, but really he should just, even though the front office is not done the best job, he should just let the front office make this decision. Because it's pretty clear that his idea of what he needs coaching-wise and what the Blazers need coaching-wise is not correct if he thinks that Terry Stotts and now Jason Kidd are the guys for the job. That is pretty damn clear that he does not really appreciate or understand what it is that his team and he really needs. Like, he had a press conference after losing Game 6 of the Nuggets where uh, he was asked about changes and stuff like that, like what changes the team could make, and he said, clearly we're not good enough, uh, and he expects changes to happen. And I also felt that was him being like, okay, cool, Terry Stotts is gone. I don't think he realizes that Jason Kidd is just Terry Stotts with a new coat of paint or whatever. Like, that's not an improvement, really. Maybe a little bit of an improvement, but not a drastic one, which this team could desperately t use. Uh, so definitely his own worst enemy in that regard. I would hope that the Blazers don't take what Dame wants and instead get what Dame needs because what Dame needs is someone like Steve Clifford or just a head coach who is better than bad. 
<laughs> not even not even better than average really just better than bad that's all that the blazers really need um the Blazers are going to have a lot of interesting changes this offseason. Of course, we've seen the CJ trade rumors. I don't know specifically uh, what that trade looks like. I'm eventually going to be doing a video on the Blazers. Don't know how soon because there's a lot of things to talk about recently. You know, playoff basketball and such. Uh, but yeah, the Blazers are an interesting spot. Please, please don't hire Jason Kidd. Uh, and Dame, maybe maybe let your front office handle this shit and just hope that they have your best interest in mind and do their jobs correctly. Not to say that they've given you reason to have that hope, but being that you've been so trustful in Terry Stotts and now Jason Kidd for some reason, I think it's fair that you give them that trust. Uh, that being said, Dame should ask out because regardless of what they do, I don't think they're winning a championship, but hey. Obviously, they're going to try and bring it back with Dame and whatever they need to make the team better. Anyways, game six of Clippers Mavericks. This series fucking refuses to die, doesn't it? Uh, this was once again a fantastic game as this series has produced multiple fantastic games and it's produced multiple fantastic performances. This time, though, not from Luka Doncic. It was Kawhi Leonard. Now, I will say Kawhi's play in this series has gone under the radar just due to the fact that Luka's has been even better, which is saying a lot because previous to I, I think he finished with just under 50 points. Previous to what Kawhi did in this game, he was already averaging 30 points on like 60% shooting for the series, and he had 45 points in this game on 72% shooting, and he only shot four free throws, shot nine threes. There weren't a lot of drives in this game. It was a lot of huge threes, a lot of mid-range shots, typical Kawhi shit, and it, it, it was just... It was kind of a marvel to watch because he kept pulling up and it kept going in every time. And especially late in the fourth quarter, it was just like, if Kawhi shoots, it goes in. That's just how it is. That's that's the rules. Uh, just an absolutely amazing and clutch performance here by Kawhi. And on the other hand, on the Maverick side of things, the guy who's been averaging 35 plus on like 70% true shooting in this series thus far, Luka Doncic, while he finishes with 29, 8, and 11, a lot of those numbers came late when the game was kind of out of reach. And I can just say that for a majority of this game, he wasn't as great. Now, I will say the Clippers did their best job defending Luka by far. It seemed like finally players were taking this matchup personally, which is what I talked about in my video calling the Clippers a joke. Somebody, it was Markeith Morris for a lot of this game, but also Kawhi was getting the matchup late. There were a couple of moments with Paul George, and he was getting double teamed over and over, forcing other Mavericks players to make decisions with the ball. And this is the issue with heliocentric offenses that I have harped on multiple times now, specifically with Luka and the Mavericks. If a defense figures out how to interrupt the flow of your player that the foundation of your heliocentric offense is based around, if a defense figures out how to interrupt that, which the Clippers did today, you force the players who aren't great at making decisions to make decisions, and today, many Mavericks players had to make decisions and they were not making the best ones or they made okay decisions, but they resulted in shots that just simply did not go in. 
Luca, you know, had decent assists. He had 11 assists in this game, and a lot of those was just him passing out of double teams. But for a lot of this game, he wasn't able to find just a direct pass for an easy bucket. So he threw it out. That player passed to somebody. That player drove past to somebody else. It really seemed like the Mavericks were bad at getting the ball back to Luca after the initial double and pass out had happened. So that's not the best because it ended up being four players trying to figure out how to do offense when it's not being spoon-fed to them by Luka. Uh, so that was really the f- biggest thing in this game on the defensive end of the ball for the Clippers. The biggest reason why the Mavericks put up just 97 points. Their offense was just simply not the best. Now, I will say, uh, this game started off, once again, looking like Luka was primed to take over the world. It seems like Luka is just... He he goes through the throat. He goes for the throat immediately, like immediately immediately like he started one game with like four straight threes i believe uh i think that was last game maybe i don't know uh but he goes for the throat but as the game goes on he starts to slow down a little bit which is understandable especially if you have you know you're playing like the best player in the history of basketball for like five minutes uh but it is worth noting that that like holy fuck luca thing tends to slow down as the game progresses and that is a bit of a problem it's understandable with how much of a load luca has to carry but at the same at the same time it is a problem now i've I've mentioned uh, i've already mentioned in this video i've mentioned multiple times already that the mavericks need to get some some people out there that can make decisions outside of luca like i've suggested in the past like trading for kyle lowry or drew holiday really just getting another big time playmaker out there would make a world of difference for this uh, Mavericks team. Uh, But for this game, obviously, I don't have those players and forced to make decisions. I will say uh, this was a great game from Tim Hardaway Jr., at least a pretty damn good one. He started kind of chucking a little bit later, but not too much. And, you know, as not great as Kristaps has been relative to the money that he makes, this game, while he did only score seven points and only grab five rebounds. I'll say defensively, he was pretty good in this one. He has three steals. One of those in particular was a really major one later in the fourth quarter. Uh, he got a good block. He was just at the right place at the right time defensively, which in this series, his defense has been incredibly inconsistent and leaning more towards the side of negative. So for him to at least contribute positively defensively, I think is something worth note. Uh, This game also, we saw a lot of Boban and there were moments where it worked and moments where it didn't. He ended up shooting 38% because while Boban is big and he can just kind of take a layup on every possession, his touch is not the greatest in the world he had one possession where he missed like three layups at the basket and the Clippers players were fighting to get the rebound over his incredibly tall ass but he didn't it ended up going out of bounds and it was uh, Mavericks ball after that but he missed like three four layups with not that much pressure on him uh so that was interesting eventually we we've seen this Boban experiment already what was ironic is as soon as Boban sat that's when the Clippers put Zubak in the game but it really feels to me like both of these teams have what they're comfortable with with the Clippers it is a small ball and with the Mavericks it's a small ball they were already running so 
what they're comfortable with, they're not going to break from it in the important moments at the very least. They might try throwing things out here or there, but late game, we're going to be seeing the same lineups that we've been seeing since the Mavericks or since the Clippers decided to go small in like game three or four. I can't remember which one it is. Uh, but worth mentioning, once again, Home court advantage doesn't fucking matter. This is the first time in NBA history that a series has had six games in it where neither team has won on their home court. Now, based on that trend, this means that the Mavericks will be winning game seven on the Clippers home court. But, you know, I I, I was in locker room earlier talking to my guy, Nicholas, uh, and I said, like, hey, it could just be a coincidence, you know, five games. At a certain point, like, it's going to go back to normal. But once again, then go back to fucking normal today. Um, ultimately, this game was won by Kawhi being ridiculous. Uh, Reggie Jackson also playing very well. And this is the second game in a row that he has been phenomenal, phenomenal for the Clippers. And also their defensive scheme on Luka that finally interrupted what he was trying to do. Really just bringing doubles and making Mavericks players make decisions and bringing doubles effectively in a way that doesn't just leave some clear option wide open. Uh, that's, a, that's a problem with double teaming is like you have to make sure your other three defenders are are in a position where they can at least get a hand up on shots and not give anything easy up. And they did that this time around. Uh, and it just seemed like players took the Luka matchup a lot more personally, playing it more physically. I saw Kawhi going after Luka early or late in this game. There was one instance where there was a switch on to Reggie Jackson. Luka went to post up and Kawhi was like, fuck all that. I'm going to bring help off of Dorian Finney. And then he did that. And then Reggie Jackson brought help on Dorian Finney and prevented the uh, the the switch in the post up and all that and prevented the three. Uh, Luca did hit a three right after that. But regardless, there was an aggressive attempt to interrupt the flow of what Luca was trying to do. When that switch happened, Kawhi wasn't just going to sit by and let it happen like we've seen happen in this series over and over again. So great effort by the Clippers. And I will say on Kawhi's part, uh, one of the reasons why I was like, hey, Luca might be better than Kawhi is even though, yeah, Kawhi has averaged 30, it's been a quiet 30. And I understand people who kind of get frustrated with people saying things like that because 30 is 30. Uh, he's had games that weren't so quiet, if you know what I mean. But like, it just felt like when the moment mattered, Kawhi wasn't necessarily stepping up in the way that you would like. This game absolutely fucking did that and it reminded me of toronto Kawhi. the thing is after the 2019 run i viewed Kawhi as the best player in the league now that was a mistake in hindsight but that is what i thought and really since then i don't think i've fully seen Kawhi at the heights that he had in that playoff run today we saw those heights and that was refreshing to see because Kawhi leonard is or has been, at least in the past few years, been one of my favorite players in the league. Ever since he's been on the Clippers, I've been more down on him. But previous to that, when he was on the Spurs, especially when he was on the Raptors, I was a huge Kawhi guy. So seeing him play great, even though, of course, I am pulling for the Dallas Mavericks, was still great to see. So great job by Kawhi. Great job by the Clippers defending Luka. Uh, and as for how game seven goes, if they're able to bring out that defensive scheme and that intensity again in game seven... 
The Mavericks should have things to be concerned about. As for how they could counter something like that, I'd probably say more Jalen Brunson minutes. He played about 15 minutes in this game. He is somebody that can create his own shot and specifically somebody who can create shots for others. Uh, after you double, uh, after you double Luca, you're leaving like Tim Hardaway and Dorian Finney-Smith to make decisions with the ball and not the best in the world at those things, even though they're great in other areas. So I'd say just more Jalen Brunson minutes could possibly counter that in some regard. Even then, if you're the Clippers, you're more than happy to let Jalen Brunson do shit than let Luka do shit. So I'm curious what we're going to see in Game 7, and I'm very excited about it because this has been a great series regardless. Uh, of course, I'm still pulling for the Mavericks because A, Luka's my third or fourth favorite player in the NBA. He's basically tied with Giannis right now. Uh, one and two is Zach Levine and Steph Curry. So I'm pulling for the Mavericks for that reason. And then two, when the Ma- I'll be real. When the Clippers are losing, it's easy-ass views. So, I mean, from a business perspective, the Clippers being down is good for me. Uh, but that's not going to change that they played a damn good game. And regardless, I'm happy for a good-ass series in the first round because almost every other series in the playoffs, I've been rambling for long now, almost every other series in this playoffs ended up being disappointing as time went on. It started off hot and then really cooled down. This has almost had the reverse effect where the Mavericks smacked the Clippers in the first two games and since then the series has had nothing but bangers so yeah that's my thoughts on this game i don't think i have too much else to say so subscribe to the channel if you haven't already and drop a like but yeah that is it goodbye